Made in Mexico, bro. Made in Mexico. Little, Mexico. There you go. You got the little. Shot, yeah, you, know? you got the yeah. shot. I didn't get the shot because I was born in LA. Oh wow. But there's only so much you can do as a person. You need the universe. You need God to be behind you and pushing these major dreams that you got. I've always been passionate about real estate. I got my real estate license when I turned 18. When I was 17. I already taken all my classes. I just didn't let me take the test. I wasn't 18 yet. Yeah. Hey, are you able to talk, like, kind of walk us through, like, how does it go about acquiring these properties and the arbitrage versus not arbitrage? Yeah, yeah. So I have 55 Airbnbs. I use two different methods. Strategy. Arbitrage strategy. <laughs> Guys, if you guys are tapping in, you guys are not going to want to miss this one. This is a huge, huge, uh, basically, episode that we're going to have. We've been blessed with Guadalajara's very own, the Lemon Brothers. You guys have probably seen them all over Instagram, um, all over the IG, Airbnb space. Uh, you know, so a quick introduction of Gerardo Limon. He's a developer. Uh, correct me if I get anything wrong, if I'm missing anything, but uh, a GC Guadalajara, from Guadalajara as well. His family is very tight-knit. Tysh Niche, and he's at Airbnb, has around 50 Airbnbs, right? And then the goal is to have 100 um, real estate investor and a very a family man, which we respect the most, and a Latino. So he's blessed us here with the, with coming out to the podcast and dropping a little bit nuggets with Pablo and I, man. So thank you so much Bro, for thanks coming. for coming out. We're really excited to have you. Heard nothing but good things about you, meeting you for the first time. And, you know, your, your bro's here. We have some a little bit of history together as well. So... Bro, it's, it's nice to see everything that you're doing, um, just kind of being a, a, a spectator from IG, bro, and, and being a Latino as well. You know, uh, one of the things that we love to focus on with Educate and Elevate is highlighting different Latino entrepreneurs. Because entrepreneurship, Thanks. man, comes from all walks of life. But it's really dope to see other Latinos doing what you're doing, man. So shout out to everything you're doing. Awesome, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, appreciate it. I'm very grateful, you know, to be out here and spreading the message. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of us that look like us and, and that are out here putting the time and effort. You guys don't have to do this. You know, you guys are doing it to spread the knowledge. And, mm-hmm. and you know, my hat's off to you guys, bro. Thanks, Thanks bro. bro. I, feel, I feel like we definitely do align in that, that space where we, we, we just want to spread the knowledge. And, I mean, s- same with you. You know, like, you, no one is paying you to do all that things that you're doing, the knowledge that you're spitting out. What drives you to do that and, and to give back and to be able to, like, amplify yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, I have, like, I've narrowed down my two passions, right? They always say, like, what's your why? One thing I'm really passionate about is creating generational wealth for me and my family. So you guys said, like, I have a very tight-knit family. My mom's in the business. Dad's in the business. Brother's in the business. Everyone's in my in my business is all family-oriented. Um, we have a lot of employees, but the core people that I work with every day is my family. So my first passion is generational wealth for them and for our future, breaking the chains. The second passion is sharing to everyone how I did it so they can see someone that's done it and I can give them the game plan to make a, sh- a learning curve that's typically like this mm-hmm. and try to flatline it as much as possible. That's huge because if you could flatten a learning curve for a lot of people, right? I, I think that a lot of people, they say mentorship. You pay for mentorship yeah. to to pay for their mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you, we talked a little bit about, you know, your upcoming, you know, would you mind sharing a little bit about like the mistakes you made in life, but that now have put you in, into the place. Yeah. Right I now? mean, like, you know, losses are only losses. If you have that mindset, mm. you know, lessons. I've always, I've always thought like lessons. a loss, come back from it even better. Right. Um, in the space of entrepreneurship, if you don't risk the neck, you don't really, what are you doing? You know, you can't win if you don't risk. Um, it's safe in a nine to five, you know, you can be safe, 
Um, but we don't get the benefits of entrepreneurship unless you're putting yourself out there. Um, so the losses that I've experienced, I mean, bro, there's, you know, all the time. Yeah. There's so many. Um, one of the biggest losses, and I don't even consider it a loss, again, because I have that mindset. Like, right. I've never even thought of anything, like, as a loss. But, I mean, going through the construction, my construction journey, I was a, co- a contractor for 10 years, right? So... I did construction from the Chalan level all the way up to owning my own multi-million dollar business where we're doing landscapes and construction, interior and exterior. I was a designer. I was a contractor. I was a salesperson. And then I had a team with my family that just built everything and just kind of, you know, we did all these projects. Um, At the end of 10 years, I was like, okay. I started learning about generational wealth. I started learning about... um, cash flow and appreciation and all these things that make the rich rich um, because I had really wealthy clients, like $500 million businesses type of clients. Yeah. So they would game me up and I would see how they live and I would see what what they're doing with their life. And then it hit me one day, like, damn, like I don't own shit. I don't have anything to my name. I just have money in the bank and I'm just working every single day. I got payroll every single week. I'm chasing the next check. What's next? You know? So I, I figured out like, I need to do something for myself. So I could easily think, damn, I wasted 10 years of my life. Mm. Just, you know, I had nothing to show for it other than a couple hundred grand in the bank, which is still great, right? That's, that's someone's dream. Someone's dream could just be to have 100, 100 grand in the bank. But for me, it was like, nah, what, what's next, you know? And that's the biggest pivot that I had. With my mindset went from, okay, what do I have? And what am I going to do with it now? And then what I ended up doing with it is going full-time into real estate investing. I love that you say that, bro, because I I mean, I feel like that speaking on Latinos, right? Mm -hmm. Armando and I talk about it all the time. Like we are, we, our goal is to really go after the first generation of Americans that are here in the U S my, my, you guys first generation. I'm first generation, right? My dad was born in, my dad was born in Mexico city. My mom is from Cuba. Okay. Right. So I was first generation here in the States. And when my dad, when my dad came here, you know, he had, he had built a really large business and I feel like our parents, especially for like a lot of us that may have immigrant families or immigrant parents, they did their job. And beyond that, mm-hmm. it's up to us being the first generation. What are we going to do with it? Right. right. And that goes back to the trampoline. I was about to say that. Yeah, so the trampoline that. thing that I always talk to, to people about is like our parents put us on this trampoline. Right. Now we're here as first because I'm first generation. Also, my mom and dad are both uh, born in Mexico, Guadalajara, and they got my dad came to the U.S., he worked, saved enough money to go back home, get married, and then they went on their honeymoon. I always say that I'm made in Mexico. I, <laughs> I did the math, and like nine months later after the wedding, I was like, I'm right there. Hey, it was ten months after the wedding, I was there. So you got the stamp. Made Mexico. in Mexico, bro. I just made made little, Mexico, little, there you go. You got the, the tennis little, shot. Yeah, you, know? you got the shot. I didn't get the shot because I was born in L.A. Oh, wow. But they put us on the trampoline, right? They built the trampoline. They put us on the trampoline. Now it's my job to jump on the trampoline. Right. Whatever I do in my life, I'm jumping on the trampoline. The higher I jump, when my brother gets on the trampoline, what happens when the next person gets on the trampoline? Go higher. You boost them up. That's fire. The next person that jumps on the trampoline, boom, goes higher than you. The problem is the mindset that people don't want to see someone under them jump higher than them. And that's the part that you have to get past to be able to share the the, the knowledge because then then you talk about the law of contribution. The spiritual laws, right? So the law of contribution states and it's also a mixture of law of abundance. The law of contribution states that the more that I contribute, the more the universe brings back to me. Mm. The law of abundance states that everything is within my reach. I can have anything that I want. I just need to go get put in the work. 
do the self-improvement to be able to be at a higher self-knowledge, higher wavelength, whatever you want to call it, you become better. So the universe gives you things that align with that. So the trampoline effect happens and his next generation or his cousin, whoever's next in line, when he's jumping, I'm jumping, he's jumping higher. The next person's jumping even higher. And that's the trickle effect that I'm, you know, I'm, I've built everything around that little concept. That's that says concept. a lot about that's, your leadership, bro, because I had, a, I had a mentor tell me one time, as a leader, it's not about how big your building is. It's a bit, it's about how big are the buildings around you, yeah. you know? And I love that you say that because really, I mean, it goes right in line with what we're talking about, which is elevating other people. I you think know. it's like that value, right? I mean, the, the collaboration or competition, yep. you know, and, and in that case, like, what, what was the quote the, in, in Spanish? You said it right now. Que, que muchos miran, pero no que, you said it right now. Que, like, you, you don't want people to see because then you're going to, you're going to. Oh, be yeah, 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 yeah. So if I teach you something, it's like competencia. Mm-hmm. No, es que si te enseño todo, vas a competir conmigo y luego donde voy a agarrar trabajo yo. Yeah. It's like, no, no, bro. Relax. Yeah, like, and I've experienced that at all levels because yeah. I've been a contractor, I've been a chalan, I've been a DJ, I've been a real estate investor. So people don't want to share that knowledge, right? Because they think that, and that's an old mindset. You know, I, I don't even like to dwell on that because I don't get around people that have that kind of mindset, but it exists. It's heavy in the Latino community. Yeah, I'm not going to teach you something because you're going to go take my business. That's a very small mindset. That's Which, the opposite of abundance. Was, I was, I was going to say that right now where it's kind of like you talk about the abundance mindset and then we just introduced right now very briefly the, the opposite of what that abundance mindset is. It's like the limiting beliefs where like, and I feel like those limiting beliefs limit you because you limit yourself to that, that creativity versus giving, giving, giving. It's like... Because you're doing everything yourself. Yeah. And there's only so much you can do as a person. You need the universe. You need God to be behind you and pushing these major dreams that you got. It's fact. like if I build a wall, okay, I can build a wall by myself. It's going to take me a month. But if the squad pulls up mm. and I tell them, all right, good, look, guys, I might not be working, but I'm going to bring the materials. I'm going to tell you how to be efficient. I'm going to show you all these. Dude, in one day we build that wall. Yeah. That's yeah. fire. I love that. Yeah, you know, I'm curious to know because you've you, you done a lot of great things, man. And, and what, what goes into the mindset behind someone, you know, to be able to handle all these projects? you got a lot of projects going on. So what goes into the mindset so, like, the first thing we have to always understand, and I and it's, it's I've read, I got this from the Steve Jobs book. <clears throat> in the Steve Jobs book, he talks about, look around. Everything that's, when we're growing up, we're just walking around. We're just walking through life, right? We're not really paying attention on the things, how they're built, who does it, what all these different uh, moving pieces of everything. Everything that we've ever seen has been built by someone just like you. Mm. When you have that mindset, nothing's impossible. You just got to show me how you did it and I can go do it. I might not do it as good as you in the beginning, but don't like I'm no punk. Like I'm going to go figure this thing out and I'm going to get it. That's the mindset. So I've never, it was, I didn't have this master plan growing up. You know, it wasn't like, I always think all the houses were owned by like the government. Mm. You know, I didn't, I didn't know real estate and I didn't know all these different things that I were talking about now, but I never dwell on that, you know, because I just did the best with, with whatever I had in front of me. And then my goal got bigger. And I, well, if I can do that, then I can do something else. And then I just created a plan and I learned something new. I pivot. I learned something new after that and I pivot again. Pivot. So talking about that, because you said you had 10 years being a, a general DC, contractor, yeah. right? Was it your plan always to to start picking up Airbnb, start picking up real estate? Because obviously you got into the real estate space. I mean, 
what was that kind of what was that frame framework and what was that transition like? Because there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are probably watching this. Maybe they're real estate investors. Maybe their other entrepreneurs go through different shifts in their careers as well. Um, what was that transition like for you? Yeah, for me, it was. I mean, I've always been passionate about real estate. I got my real estate license when I turned 18. So when I was 17, I already taken all my classes. I was ready to go. They just didn't let me take the test because I wasn't 18 yet. You have to be 18 to be licensed. I got licensed and then I was an agent and then I did like a couple showings and then we spent like all weekend showing like a family houses, mm. showing like 10 houses. They were like, all right, cool. That, that was cool. But like next week we'll see some other houses. I was like next week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, trying to, get, I'm trying to get this going. I now. showed you the best 10, bro. That's, all, that's what <laughs> that's you it. get. Like I'm not here by the hour. Like I didn't understand the concept yeah. of it and it wasn't, it just wasn't for me. So I did that, and then, you know, we, I think I just did a referral fee. I just transferred to someone else, and then I went, and I, and I started doing construction. Um, but my, my plan was always, like, do what's best in front of me because I just wanted – I was a hustler. Yeah. Like, really, I was just a hustler. Um, and I just wanted to make money, the most amount of money, with whatever's in front of me. And whatever was in front of me was nothing. Like, I didn't have this mindset of, like, ab abundance, and I didn't have this financial education that I have now. I was just like, okay, well, what do I know how to do? I know how to lay block. I know how to dig. I, 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 knew, I grew up on construction. So I started, my first construction jobs, bro, were, like, pouring, like, a little piece of concrete. Like, it wasn't like I started with, like, houses and all that. Like, no, nah, it was just little, you know, passing out business cards and helping my dad and then just kind of working within his business and then just expanding that. But then that company went bankrupt. Mm. So when that company went bankrupt, I was on unemployment. I was, I had just had a daughter. Like, literally, I I, I, I was, uh, I had a daughter and I had just stopped DJing. Because DJ was my, part of my income also. And, but when my daughter was born, I was just like, I think it was like God sent where like I had this weird feeling in my stomach whenever I DJ and I was getting paid pretty well. I was a promoter. I was a DJ. We had a lot of people at our clubs, but I just couldn't do it. Like, it was just like, your you have a daughter, bro. Like you need to be at home yeah. with your daughter because, because she's going to grow up quick like that. The family man in me understood that, mm. but the money was there, but God just put something in me where I wanted to throw up. It's weird. Like I He's wanted to throw you. up. He just like, you're not supposed to be here. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And you were, how old were you, man? You're 24, 25? When My daughter was born, I was 23. 23? Yeah. You're still very young. You know, you have, like you said, you, you got, you're, you're successful DJ. You got this promote. Obviously, you're tempted by everything. And then you're making money for you just to walk away and be like. Dude, I went into calling. a depression. Like, I, I stopped DJing because I knew that I just couldn't do it. And then I just went into, like, this dark depression because I was, I had just bought um I didn't buy it, but I had just fixed up a house for me, uh, my fiance at the time, and my daughter. My daughter's just born, and I had just finished um, uh, uh, the company had just gone bankrupt. So now I'm collecting unemployment checks. So you go wow. from that to collecting yeah. $200. I had a EDD yeah. card, bro. Yeah. Wow. You know, I had a, like one of those unemployment EDD cards where they just send in 200 bucks every week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 and the deeper, because I, again, I, I like to say that I have a very, you know, spiritual background as well. And, and the more, the deeper and closer, I'm sure during that time, you were probably getting closer to God in a way. I'm just going to go out on a limb maybe and say something along those lines. The faith muscle was growing. I and didn't when know that it. Faith, I didn't know it at the time. When, when, that faith muscle, when that faith muscle starts to grow more, you're going to get challenged. Yeah. You're going to get just blocks after blocks after blocks. And then you finally end up breaking through. And it's what you do in those times. Exactly. It's like, how are you going to react? Because, like, yeah. 
depression is like a it's like a like a snowball effect. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. you can stop it. You know, it's not easy. Like it's it's like at least what, what I went through. Like it was this effect of like darkness, darkness, darkness. But the thing with me was my depression was just like I wasn't just I just wasn't myself. It wasn't like I was slicing my veins or I wasn't drinking. Like I just wasn't myself, and I was just in my house for a couple months, and it was just. Luckily, I was reading books. I read the Steve Jobs book, which is a fat book. I read the um, Napoleon Hill book, Think and Grow Rich. Yep. Like I spent the time just learning. I watched this documentary called um, uh, Something Joe. It's on Netflix. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the, the name of it later. But um, and, and that's what kind of just got me more into myself, which wow. uh, God is in you. So it's I just kind the more I learned about myself, the more that I realized what I wanted and what I was doing, what was my purpose. I just kind of like I reacted in a way of like, learn, 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 and let's figure out this next step in my life. Wow, man! And then That's when awesome. you're when you're in the in the lab, you can see in the lab, right? You're in your house. You're like you ain't leaving. Great that. way to put it. You're yeah. in the lab. Yeah. You're cooking like Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> you're fixing yourself. Yeah. You're like, yeah. <laughs> how long did that process take? And then what was the final breakthrough though? Where you're like, you know what, man? I'm better than this. I could go out there and, and make something. Yeah, it lasted like three to four months. Yeah. And I was just, you know, my relationship went to shit. Yeah. Um, we broke up, and then I kind of, we all went, went separate ways. And then it was like, well, what's up? Like, you gotta, you gotta you have a daughter. Do. You gotta yeah. make some money. Um, and my only business knowledge that I had at the time was, ironically, 23 years later, my dad came to the U.S., and the first thing he did was make constru- uh, business cards that said construction stuff that he knew. And I was like, well, shit, if he can do it. I mean, this might be 20 years later, but I did the same thing. I just got business cards, started knocking on doors right here, Diamond Bar, Walnut, and I just offer my services. Hell it's yeah. that DNA. Yeah, yeah man. The DNA of a hustler. I mean, I mean, and then so fast forward to that. So now here we are now. Obviously, you, you got 50 Airbnbs, right? 55. 55? Probably. We just launched one yesterday. Probably like closer to 60, but. Oh, congratulations, bro. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah, are you able to talk, like, kind of walk us through, like, how does it go about acquiring these properties and, uh, you know, arbitrage versus not arbitrage? Yeah, yeah. so, like, um, I have 55 Airbnbs. I use two different methods, uh, Burr strategy and arbitrage strategy. So, arbitrage is if you own a property um, and you want to put it on the market for long-term rent, right? You can put it on apartments.com or Zillow. You're going to rent this house out for $4,000. Um, we have this conversation. I'll tell you, hey, um, can I rent this property from you? I'll pay you $4,000. And you're going to be like, well, why would I rent this property to you? Well, I'm going to tell you, what is the, do you, are you going to find a tenant that's going to come in and invest $15,000 into your property? You're probably going to be like, no. no. I mean, I'm going to ask you like, how many times do you clean your property, your own personal home a week? You're going to be like one, if I'm lucky. Okay. Well, are my properties that I own, that I are Airbnb get cleaned at least three times a week, two to three times a week, depending on bookings. And then I'm going to say, do you have a tenant that's going to come in here and guarantee you 36 months of zero vacancies because my contract is for 36 months because Airbnb, the longer that I have it, the more seasoned it is kind of like Yelp, mm-hmm. you know, the more reviews that I get, the more money that I'm making. So they're thinking they're like, okay, so that's the pitch that I use to get the, the owner away from like, he's going to make, he, he's going to turn my property into a business. I'm going to charge him $4,500 a rent. Mm-hmm. Like, no, 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 relax. I still need, mm-hmm. if easy. anything, I need lower than four thousand, I need thirty eight hundred, and maybe one or two months for free because I'm bringing you all this value. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, the lower that I, the, the more the more, the better the foundation in the beginning, the more successful that I can be in this journey, and we can push this out for thirty six, maybe forty eight, you know, months. 
So that's the arbitrage strategy. About half of mine are arbitrage. Um, the other half is properties that I own using the burst strategy. So what's the burst strategy? The simplest way to explain it. You find a house that's really beat up. You fix it. So yeah, you added value to it, right? Then you refinance that property. And then you rent it. That's a standard burr. The only thing I do different is that instead of renting it to a long-term market, I buy specifically in areas that I know are going to be good for Airbnb. It's a longer play versus arbitrage, but it's the part of the game that I'm so passionate about because that's ownership. That's breaking chains. That's generational wealth. That's That's like like the arbitrage thing is great, but you're still a fucking tenant. Don't get it twisted. Like, Homeboy wants to move his grandma into that house to like, you know, to take her in. You're out. Your business is done. So I, I use a mixture of both because when I left construction industry, I had that in me already where I was like, damn, I did 10 years of construction. I built everyone's equity up. They are, you know, they're having a grand old time with their properties. What do I own? At yeah. what point do I get to have something like that? You know, the, the Zapatero thing, right? Where the Zapatero has the most beat up shoes in the, in the block. I don't want to be the Zapatero. I want to. I want to be up there with the people that I'm doing these businesses with, and that I'm doing these houses for. What yeah. determines if you go the burst strategy or the arbitrage strategy? What like do you have a system? Do you have a determining factor? Yeah, so like factor? the arbitrage like strategy is an opportunity, right? So I have this thing called the tool belt. The tool belt, and this is because I have students, right? I have a coaching program, and the students, the way that I explain to them, what's the easiest? Because I always try to find shorten the learning curve, right? On the right side, you have your strengths. So for me, it was contractor, um, uh, designer, um, Airbnb. I already had some Airbnbs when I started. And then on the left side, I have my goals. So what's my goal? I wanted financial freedom. I wanted to break the change. I wanted to own things. I wanted to build up my monthly income. Okay. So now I go and I proclaim it. I tell everyone that I meet on the street, at meetups. I go get around a lot of people and I tell them exactly what my strength is, what my goal is. So now, by having those conversations, oh, dude, I have this house right next to Disneyland in Fullerton. Like, you think that might be a good area for Airbnb? Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about it. Like, I was going to put it on the market next week and, and like, what if you just Airbnb that? And I'm like, okay, let's go look at it. Arbitrage. Mm. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm selling this house in, in, in Montclair. Like, you think that's a good area for Airbnb? I don't know. Let's go look at it. Burr. You know, so it's conversations. It's not really like I ever like strategically like plan anything. I'm just like, I'm proclaiming to everyone what I'm doing. And obviously Instagram helps a lot with that. Cause now, you know, I can just it's proclaim it on you, IG yeah. and now I can, like, no, there's more people, you know? Yeah. So IG helps with that. And obviously just building a network of people helps with that. Um, but it's never like a strict, like arbitrage versus burr. Yeah. Um, arbitrage. That's like, the owner of this property is not going to sell you their property. And, I, and if they did, I don't want to buy it. I only want to hold things that I can force the equity on to make it worth more. So I want the ugliest house on the block. I want the hoarder house. I want the crackhead house. I want the ugliest house there so I can use my strength, which is construction, mm. to add value to it, increase the value. I have equity now, and then I refinance, pull out my money out, and I'm able to do it again. Repeat it. So, so when you... Obviously, you're saying force ad, right? So, are you doing value ads, ground ups, both, all whichever, of it. all of yeah, it, yeah. all of it? And yeah, we uh, started with just flips, um, but yeah. now we're in multifamily developments. I got a 12 unit uh, Toluca Lake five. So now, but see, like my my strategy has shifted. 
So now I'm only buying for Airbnb. So the 12 unit in Toluca Lake, it's five minutes from Universal Studios. We're going to build 12 units. You know? the, yeah. So now I got uh, three units in uh, Inglewood, SoFi Stadium. Four units in Inglewood, SoFi Stadium. You know, so all these different plays are now strategically combining two things. Forcing I'm, the equity, and then instead of the... Because cash flow, everyone thinks about cash flow when they're thinking about real estate investing. But, I mean, the cash flow is very small. Like, we're in California. You get very small cash flow, and that cash flow, you're going to yeah. use it to pay taxes. Well, because the purchase price is so high. Yeah. I just purchase price is so high. But with the Airbnb, that allows me to have cash flow. Really, what we're doing here is we're, the rich get rich by appreciation. You buy something, you hold it long enough, the tenant's going to pay it down, and the market's going to make it worth more. That's the gap. That's the knowledge gap where most of us have it twisted because we want, we think we're going after cash flow. We appreciate it. A lot of people are scared. They have this mindset. They have this fear of investing in California. Yeah. I noticed that you said a couple of cities that are in the L.A. area, mm-hmm. right? Is that somewhere where you really like to focus? Are you all over California? Do you also go outside of California? What does that look like? I mean, 50 units in L.A. is like 1,000 in Ohio. Yes, facts. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about appreciation, when you're talking about purchase price. So put it this way, right? If you think you can go invest in Ohio, which I have friends I have, and you're going to know the difference between Montclair and Claremont? Someone else outside or no? Yeah. So the, in Ohio, let's, let's rephrase that. You go to Ohio, you're going to know the difference between that side of the block and this side of the block. What if this side of the block is $100,000 worth more value than this side of the block? It happens everywhere. Mm -hmm. Chino, Chino Hills. Montclair, uh, uh, Claremont. You know? Right, right. La Puente, Rolling Heights. You know, it happens everywhere. So how are you going to, where's that, who's going to give you that information? Mm -hmm. Because now you're just buying. Yeah, there's a comp half a mile away. That, that you're looking at comps worth, but they're you're, they're crossing that line, where you're like it's worth a hundred thousand dollars. So that's what keeps me away from investing out of state. So I what, know my pocket. I know I grew up here. Yeah. I I know what's going on. I know all the you know this happened here, this happened there. I feel safe with my investment. See, yeah. I like that. You always do say that. I like I like yeah. that you're uh, what I consider. Now again, we're not putting a, a a blanket on it or anything, but you're a California investor, right? Mm-hmm. Believing in California real estate, I believe in California real estate because of the appreciation. The appreciation right. here, I think, is Armando. You could, you guys could check me on this, right? You guys are the real estate pros, but sixty-seven. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of the largest yeah. compared to any other state, right? Now, what's your objection to somebody saying like people are going to say, "Well, yeah, I don't want to deal with the taxes. I don't want to deal with all the politics." I want like, how do you come back from that? Well, California, you do have obviously the rent control, right? Right. So you deal with a couple, especially in LA, you deal with a couple other things. So, yeah, to piggyback off a good question of that. Well, I mean, the, again, we're talking, like, the rent control is cash flow. You're talking cash flow. Um, we're, the rich get rich by appreciation. And you just said it. Like, California has the most appreciation. I, I don't know the numbers exactly, but. It's just the best one. It's just yeah. the, it's California. Look, so, the, the, the nets is number one. I know California. At least where I'm, po- I'm not going to go invest in San Diego or up north. I know my pockets where I'm investing. Number two is the rents. Right, you can have rents are going to go up. They're going to keep going up because the cost of living is so expensive here. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, it's the uh, appreciation. Right, the appreciation is going to keep going up better than I would if I ha- if I go somewhere else. 
Why do I want to buy a 20 unit uh, for $200,000 that in 10 years is going to be worth 220? <laughs> Come on. Like, yeah, yeah it's the, the idea, the, 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 dulce, el dulce que te dan is que you only put $20,000, you get 11 units or 20 units. Okay. That sounds really attractive. But what happens to, to a building like that? The cost to repair, mm. the income, you have $500 rents. What about the appreciation? At what point do you really see the return on income on that? Right. I like that. Why don't you save up $100,000 and put it down on a property here or use a FHA or get really strategic. Like you can talk to people that are in the, in the loan game and they'll put you, you know, 3.5. You can buy four units with three and a half percent. Yeah, Airbnb it out. I think yeah. another big thing with Airbnbs as well that I kind of like, and if you could just drop a little bit, a little bit of game on this is, is the evictions. Right. If you have a regular tenant, that is a good you have to go through the eviction process versus the Airbnb. What's the process there? Well, there's no evictions. We don't have tenants. Everyone that stays in my units less. is less than 30 days. Have you ever had someone squat and not leave? No, no, no because no we don't accept anything over 21, 21 days. Mm. So even if they want to stay for 48 days, I tell them, OK, so we're going to do one booking for 21. We'll do another one for 21 and then we'll do another one for five. Why 21? I don't want to get even close to the date where they become a tenant because 30 days and longer, you're a tenant. You're a long-term tenant. Mm. You have tenant rights. 21 days, if they want to play silly and act, you know, give me a whole week to get them out. Yeah. Now, now, when you're looking at your deals, uh, what kind of returns like do you look for? For example, like the SoFi ones that obviously Airbnb, you could get a higher like NOI when you're calculating your, your numbers. But what kind of returns do you, are you looking for to be like, you know what, bro, this is a good deal. Let's, you know, let's definitely acquire this one. And put it under our name. And so two different that. strategies. The, the the one for real estate investing mm-hmm. is because um, I don't consider arbitrage real estate investing. Arbitrage is a business, Renting. right? It's like a business model that's giving you your cash. It's a cash cow. Um, owning real estate has real estate. I, I never underwrite for Airbnb income. My deal's got to make sense. Long term. Long term rent. That's a, that's a nugget. Because yeah. if, you, if, yeah. you, if you do that, you're... You're buying a business. That's what happened to a lot of people in Joshua Tree. They were paid. They overpaid for a house Airbnb. because they brought in ten, fifteen dollars, ten, ten to fifteen thousand dollars a month. So they 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 did the NOI formula. They yeah, I can pay up to six hundred thousand dollars, whatever. And then the market tanks. You can't rent a house out. Now the value on your NOI formula is three fifty. That's how you go upside down. There, there was a huge um. There's, I'll share it too. Uh, so you maybe you can post it up on there, Angel. But there's a huge graph that showed in the countries how many Airbnbs are going under, mm-hmm. uh, especially right now. And in the cities, like Tampa was one of them, Josh, like Joshua Tree. There's like a bunch of them right now where Airbnbs, like you're saying. And it's probably because like they underwrite, they, the way they were underwriting it was through the Airbnb. And uh, I know income. which graph you're talking about. I think we're in viral. Like everyone was sending you saw it to me. Okay, okay. Yeah, like 50% of income is, is uh, Airbnb incomes have, you know, Airbnb right, incomes man. lost 50% of their income. Airbnbs lost 50% of their income. And everyone was like scared. Like, bro, are you good? Like, are you still all right? Like, they're sending <laughs> me these messages like, are you still good? You eating good? You still sleeping? I'm like, dude, <laughs> here's what happened. This is the, 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 the amount of people that use Airbnb, right? So they're in a pie. Mm. The pie demand grew by 15%, right? So there's still more demand for Airbnbs by 15%. However, the amount of Airbnbs grew by about 40%. So now we got to split the pie by a lot more people. Mm. That's the problem with with the with the national the national problem with Airbnb income. 
know, it's not that the, the Airbnb's income has dropped. There's no 50% loss of interest or demand in Airbnb's. There's a 15% demand increase in Airbnb, uh, Airbnb's. However, the supply has also grown. Makes sense. Yeah. So when that happens, this is when it's most important to become a better host. You know, I have the coaching program. All I tell them all the time, because we talked about it in the coaching program, be a better host and you never have to worry about that. You'd be top 10% in your neighborhood. You don't have to worry about what the market's doing because if there's anyone coming into that neighborhood, you're going to be on the first page. They're going to click on your profile. And because you're on the first page, you're going to get booked for a higher average daily rate. So let, let's do, um, so I was, I was actually, well, I, I want to tap that. into something cause I feel like I know where you're going with this. So All one right. of the things I want to share, like, I kind of want to just bring to light is right now, a lot of people, I just spoke at an event this past Saturday and there was actually an Airbnb, uh, specialist there as well. And there was a mortgage lender. I was a financial planner. There's a lot of equity in homes out there. Obviously people have, they refinance two years ago, whatever the case may be, they have a low interest rate, but obviously California real estate continues to appreciate. There's equity in homes. My question is, does it make sense? Obviously we know the question to that refinance, take out money, go invest into, uh, uh, you know, some more California real estate. People are listening to this podcast. And now they're saying, you know what? I like the Airbnb strategy. Maybe I could go bird strategy. Maybe I could start a business and do the arbitrage strategy. What are the first couple of steps for somebody that's listening that now they say, Hey, I have a hundred thousand dollars that I pulled out. I want to get started. What would you say are the first two or three steps to finding what cities, what, what's the, what's that vetting process like to find a good Airbnb? Yeah. So I think the first step was on um, understanding your, your, your goal. Do you want to own real estate or are you looking for income? Those are two different. I never think that Burr and Arbitrage are the same thing. Arbitrage, you're going to build a business that's essentially a hospitality management business, right? The Burr, you're a real estate investing business. So understand, do you want five Arbitrage deals or do you want one Burr? You know, you might get more income here, but you get the ownership on this end. Mm -hmm. I would understand that first. Do you want to do arbitrage and burr? Um, if you want to do arbitrage, great. You know, I'll tell you how to be a better host. I'll give you guys some tips right now that they can use to immediately be, you know, top 20%. Top 10% takes a lot more because it's, it's a deep rabbit hole. But I can give you guys some tips that will put you, you know, in the top 20%. Now, if you're going to do real estate investing, then you have to make sure that you understand the areas where you're going to invest and then look for houses that need a lot of work in that area and then fix up that house, have some equity in there, refinance, don't take all your money out, keep your interest pay, uh, pay, uh, interest payment, uh, interest percentage as low as possible so you keep your mortgage payment as low as possible because you don't want to go under, right? Yeah. So now, you did your burr, you bought your property, you fixed it up, um, you did the refinance, and now you got your first arbitrage deal locked up. So what's going to make you a better host? Let's give you guys some tips. Okay, but let's let's go let's go back. Let's let's find an area, right? Because that's, that's the, the question. How do we yeah. find the area? I'm Looking for influx of traffic. So, is there a hospital? Is there a Disneyland? Is there a convention center? Is there all of the above? Is there colleges? You're looking for traffic influx. You're looking for people to come into town, not just to see someone else that lives in the neighborhood. You want them to come for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. If you can find two of those things, great. If you can find all five. Amazing. That's why LA works for, for well for us, right? Because in LA, everything's 20 minutes away without traffic. Traffic, <laughs> traffic yeah. 20 facts. minutes might be an hour. Yeah, facts. But 
So you're looking for that, right? Once you find your location, then you start going into that location and finding the beat up houses or the arbitrage, the properties for rents. Um, you pitch them how I told you to pitch them. Um, you get the, the, the first Airbnb. Okay, so now you have your first Airbnb. You're ready to furnish. What do you do with the furnishing? You don't over-romanticize it. Don't go create a jungle theme room. Don't create a Barbie room because Barbie's hot mm-hmm. right now. Don't create a an L.A. Laker room just because you're in L.A. Keep it as minimal, as modern, as simple and clean and pop of color. You need accent walls. You need your you need people to be able to feel like welcomed into your property, right? Because what happens is they'll do a jungle room. But what if it's me and my homies going to your to your Airbnb? Mm-hmm. Who's gonna sleep in the jungle room? Or who's gonna sleep in the bunk Barbie bed? Room. You know, if you got a bunk bed in one of the rooms, like you taking the top layer, I take like what's yeah. going on here? Like, <laughs> you know, it just gets weird. So you don't yeah. want to limit the funnel of people that are gonna be attracted to your listing. Right. So that's what design. Now, when you go for marketing, when you go take pictures, you have to take the best pictures ever. Um, if you find a photographer and you do, you're not comfortable with the pictures, find another photographer. Um, hopefully, you find someone that's already done Airbnbs, so they can. If there's a creative way of doing Airbnbs. Um, photography is not the same as like uh, for real estate photography for like a listing or like a showing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you find someone creative enough to take really bright pictures. Um, because again, like you might think you have the best house on the block and the best Airbnb, but if you don't show the guests that they're never going to see it. So your pictures are your, your only shot to really introduce them to the home. When you take those pictures, put your first 10 pictures on your first, uh, your best 10 pictures as your first 10 pictures. Mm-hmm. They might not get to the last picture that shows the jacuzzi. Mm-hmm. You want to show them the value and chinga right away. Boom, boom, boom. It's like Instagram. You know, when you go on Instagram, if you're not in- intrigued, boom, you're swiping. Same thing with Airbnb. You stop the scroll, you see, damn, that has an accent wall and like it looks really cool. Then I'll click on it. Okay. Then I go to see some pictures. Okay, boom, bright. There's a kitchen. There's a there's bedrooms. There's all these the pool. Like you want to see that in the first. The people make the mistake of having a hundred pictures on the Airbnb listing, and then I got to go all the way to the sixtieth picture mm. to get to the pool. You lost me, bro. Put them up there first. Yeah, put yeah. them up there first. Mm. Um, after that. I would say be very descriptive on your listing, where you're at, what value you're bringing to the guest. Put a caption on every picture. Um, doing those, you know, just those things that I just talked about will put you way ahead of the curve because just you'll be surprised. Like, I always tell my students, like, go to your pocket, look at the Airbnbs that are making money, and then with this information that I just gave you, see if they're following those steps. Mm. What about cities? What about like, I know there's certain cities that don't allow Airbnbs. Correct. Are you not touching those cities at all? Or are you getting in contact with the, with the neighbors and saying, Hey, you know, if I, if you guys have somebody, you know, that family that comes over, you know, I'll give you the first two nights at a discounted rate, like just to kind of build that relationship with them. Or are you just not touching them at all? Um, so there's cities that you have to be very careful with that. Right. So, there's uh, my risk tolerance is a lot higher than other people, you know, so I can risk a little more and not, and sleep well at night. Um, but some cities have ordinances where they don't allow Airbnbs, but they don't enforce the ordinance. Oh, that's a big difference. Mm. Are you able to go into that? Because yeah, I, I know like Anaheim, right? For example, I wouldn't touch Anaheim. Right. Because number one, they're, they got Disney, bro. Yeah. And Disney hotels. You don't want to mess with Disney and Disney hotels. Come, they have a, a just a whole, you know, code enforcement just strictly on that. Um, so you don't want to be in those cities that have the ordinance, 
and they enforce it, and they got the manpower to really go out there and find you. How would you find out if a city, for example, has it on their website? Which is would that be included the ordinance? That would be considered the just ordinance. Anything you can just type in Anaheim Planning Department short term rental. And how do you know if they have the power capacity to enforce it? Conversations. You got to call them. Got to call them. How would that conversation them, go? You have to you have to conversate. You have to look at um, other Airbnbs. So if there's if you go into Anaheim and you see a bunch of Airbnbs um, and they don't have a permit number, but the city says they don't allow it, they assume they're not enforcing it. They're not enforcing it. Mm. It's all assumption. Like that's a still, nugget. Yeah, that's a nugget. For those of you guys listening, man, go back listen to that again because I know we get questions, Armando. We get questions all the time, like on real estate, Airbnbs. Yeah. Hey, I'm thinking about going and getting an Airbnb. You want to know the qualifications, at least learning from a pro, go back and listen to those last five, ten minutes right there. Well, that's a good nugget to see, like, where you could get started at, too, like what cities to get started because, like, and then obviously we talked about the arbitrage and then acquiring, and then what locations. Like, location is always a big one. It's like where, where, where you use AirDNA. AirDNA. I heard about that. AirDNA.co. Um, that'll give you, like, you can type in the address, and it gives you, like, um, their projected income for that property. Take it with a grain of salt. It's kind of like when a homeowner tells you, hey, my property's worth this much on Zillow. <laughs> you know, it's like right. take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Do your own due diligence. Um, don't, you know, but it's a good reference point, um, especially if you're just clueless. You know, it's a good way to start. Go on AirDNA.co. And then even shows you the Airbnbs in that neighborhood. You can click on them and it'll tell you like year to date how much income they've had. Nice, nice. Yeah. Again, there's take it with a grain of salt. There's a lot of variables. Um, I like to go in there and just try to book an Airbnb in that pocket. Just to see. Just to see. Like, what are they charging for rent? Um, do they have the calendar all booked for this month? If it's booked, like, straight, that's fishy. Because there's really, like, not a lot of Airbnbs get that long not long of a booking. So maybe they just blocked out the calendar. You know, so if all of August is blocked out and September is all open, then I'm like, what's going on here? But if it's sporadic in August, sporadic in September... And then October is sporadic. So now I'm like, okay, this, this area is hot. There's people booking this, this Airbnb. So then you find it on AirDNA and you see what kind of income it's produced. What nice. about, what about, bro, I'm getting all these questions because I'm, I'm curious myself. International Airbnbs, how does that work? If I had a couple of properties in Tulum, right? I saw yeah, you we got two, uh, three coming up in Tulum and we have one in Cabo. Um, I'm, how does still that work? I'm still figuring it out. I'll be honest. Like, um, there's different tax. Um, you have to have a certain um, Mexican tax ID um, to avoid these other international taxes that are pretty hefty. Um, so you gotta be a resident too, no? To own Mex- to own in yeah, Mexico. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't or, know all the specifics on that either. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not coming. I, I don't own any of these properties that I'm doing it. Um, these are just partnerships that I'm doing with individuals. Right. They bought their dream home. It's a vacation home. They don't know anything about Airbnb. I went out there. I used my strengths. My goals, and I proclaim to a lot of people. And when they said, hey, I have one in Tulum, I'm like, well, let's go check it out. I got one in Cabo. Well, let's go check it out. Oh, how are we going to do it? I've heard about Airbnb. I've thought about doing it. Fly me out. Boom. I'll tell you what's up. I love that. What's up, man? It it really sees your projections, you know, like, you know, like of how fast you're growing and and where you're going. And that kind of leads me to my next question is, you know, what's next for Gerardo? Like, for Rainbow Brothers, like, what's what's next for you guys? I see you guys getting into development more and more, so... How like what's the outlook looking for you guys? The simple goal for Airbnbs is a hundred Airbnbs. Mm. Yeah, um, that's one of my goals. Um, I'm gonna get there through property management. So I'm gonna manage other people's Airbnbs. 
Um, I'm very picky with the Airbnbs that I manage. So they have to be in new construction. They have to be in good areas. I need to be able to really bring these people values that I'm managing their properties. Um, I know that I'm the best at what I do. Um, but I also know that I'm not just going to, I can't, you know, the formula is a part of the formula is the, the product. Big yeah, part of the product. Yeah. I can't turn it. I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to catfish people, mm. you know, I'm telling them make this Airbnb look great. Well, I just make this Airbnb look great. The guest shows up and it's, it's a piece of crap. Like, I don't do that. So I'm being strategic with my management company. Um, also we're taking on arbitrage deals. Also we're building multifamily stuff. So by default, we're, we have you know a bunch of units that we're building, and it's all for Airbnb. All Airbnb. I, I'm curious to know because you know like I, I struggle sometimes with like trying to managing like a to do list, and I was just having this conversation the other day with my partner as well. Is like how do you manage all these things? Like how do you do you find ways to automate certain things? Because man, the, the way if you're gonna have a hundred Airbnbs, that's a lot of to do lists. So how do you one stay organized, and then what platforms or apps do you use to help you automate a lot of these systems? Yeah, so that's a great question. That's really the the key behind scaling is automation. Um, I had a client once tell me, um, he was like the, he had a really big company. And he pretty much told me like that I was just a fucking hustler. You're a fucking hustler, dude. You're just working check to check. Um, you're never going to get rich. Um, and he loved me, dude. 80-year-old man, he loved me. Um, we, he, we just had that relationship where he just kind of took me under his wing. And he's like, you're just a fucking hustler, dude. Um, you're gonna work until you die, and you're just you're never gonna build anything bigger than you know your little area, because you're not using systems, because you're not using procedures, you're not using automation, you don't know about this. He just put me on game, right? He checked you. Yeah, he checked he my checked ass you. quick. Yeah, yeah. Literally, that was the last construction job that I ever did. <laughs> I swear, like he scared the shit out of me. I was like, you're right, bro. I'm gonna get old quick, and, and yeah. I'm not gonna have ya shit. Se fue todo. Yeah, nah, dude. <laughs> luego, luego, I was like, okay. Um, I learned about automation. I learned about systems and procedures. I learned about virtual assistants. I learned about business in general. These are basic business terms that seem foreign when you're not in that term, you know? Um, so I use a lot of um, automation apps and I can give you some, again, my goal is to, for the people that are listening to be better hosts by the end of this, at the least. The mindset things. Appreciate that, bro. Mindset and, and, and the things that we're talking about are great. Um, because, but not not a lot of people. It takes time to apply those things. Actionable is what we talked about earlier, actionable and steps. actionable right now is is uh, the apps that I can give you. Um, the first app that you'd use is AirDNA, right? We talked about that already. That's to underwrite to understand the market in that area. Um, the second app that I would use is Turno. Turno is basically an app that syncs my listing with my housekeeper. So I don't have to make a phone call. Nobody on my team calls the, house, the housekeeper and tells her, hey, you have a checkout tomorrow. You need to clean this house. It's automated. As soon as the booking comes in, the, the cleaner gets a message, and then that message is uh, uh, accepted. The, the cleaner accepts the booking, and then, boom, streamlined. We never have to 55 Airbnbs. It's all automatic on the, on the housekeeping side. Of course, with scaling, you have 55. There's issues, and there's all these other things that go into it. But let's not worry about that. You know, Let's get these people to five or ten Airbnbs first before they worry about the next uh, glass ceiling. Um, another app that I would use is um, Smoobu, S-M-O-O-B-U. Yeah, that allows me to be able to put my Airbnb on different platforms. So I can be on Airbnb. I can Because Airbnb, is everyone uses Airbnb, but in reality, it's short-term rental. You have a short-term rental property that's on Airbnb. Airbnb is mm -hmm. one of the platforms. Mm -hmm. There's Airbnb, there's VRBO, there's HomeAway, there's booking.com. There's all these platforms, right? 
in the beginning, you want to list on all of them because you want your funnel of people seeing your, your Airbnb, your, your short term rental to be as big as possible. I now only list on Airbnb only, only. Yeah. I don't list on all these other platforms because we've mastered that. Um, but in the beginning I did list on all these other platforms. Smoobu allows you to be able to list on Airbnb and all these other platforms. And if you get a booking on one, it blocks the calendar out on all of them. Right. It also the CRM will save the information from the guest. It also does uh, your financial tracking. So you can clearly see um, how much income you produce that month per unit. You can break it down by month, by year. Um, so that's a great resource, kind of like um, like a, for data, right? That's your data source. Um, I would use slage locks. You know, no longer do we use lock boxes and hand the keys over because that's something that can get lost. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have anything in your house to be, a, um, to be like a thing where you can go back and have to replace that key. Slage locks, automatic locks. And lastly, I would do Nest thermostats. So because we have so many Airbnbs, I want to control the temperature between, you know, everyone knows. You go on vacation, you want the 60-degree AC, AC, you want like tres cobijas, you know? (laughs) No, we don't do that. Like, I want to make sure it stays within a reasonable temperature where they're comfortable, but they're not taking advantage. Um, Yeah, using those platforms, it'll automate, it'll, it'll systemize, and it'll... Obviously, this is not everything, but it'll get you started to where you're not dealing with a lot of the growing pains that really I had to deal with in the beginning. These are nuggets, Huge, man. bro. These yeah. are nuggets. Drop some fire was, emojis in the it. comments below, <laughs> bro. You, you, you mentioned earlier that you have a coaching program. Yeah. Give us a little bit more information on that. Yeah. So the coaching program right now is, uh, um, we're releasing a uh, modules. So right now it's just a zoom call every single week. I do a one hour, um, pretty much coaching session with them personally, where we figure out the strengths and we figure out their goals. That's really the hardest part in the beginning because a lot of people have $100,000 or a lot of people have $20,000 and they're just like, like you know, they just want to do everything. Like, I want to do this. I want to do this. I'm like, yo, yo, relax. So what I use is my experience to kind of narrow that down to like, these are your real strengths. These are your real goals. Let's figure out the goals together. And then let's figure out a plan to connect those two together so you can go out there and, and do something that's not, the learning curve is not so big. So they get a one-hour coaching call with me, and then they get a Zoom call every single week. Uh, we're just finishing up the modules. We're going to be launching modules, bird uh, strategy that shows you exactly you know how I do my birds, and then it shows you how uh, I do arbitrage, and it shows you how to do management. So we're going to be launching the full coaching program soon. Yeah. So we're not really taking on students right now because I want to I want to do an official launch like in a month or so. Nice. And we're so, doing some okay, so you have that going launching in about a month, month and yeah, a half, two months. It's maybe. already launched. We have students. You know, we okay. have about fifty students right okay. now. Um, but we're gonna do an official launch within like a little bit less than a month, and that's gonna be great because now I can just have the modules there for students to understand everything that we talked about Automation. today. But the thing is, I can talk about all these topics that we talked about today in an hour. I can talk about one of those topics. Go deep for into it. Two yeah. hours because oh, yeah. it's deep. We didn't touch on pricing occupancy, um, uh, listings, um, uh, customer service, negotiating with Airbnb, virtual assistants, like the rabbit hole goes deep, but it's not to scare you. It's to help scale. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like these students, like they don't do everything that I do on their first Airbnb. Cause I always tell them like I managed five, like five or 10 Airbnbs by myself all day. I was just messaging, messaging, messaging. That's cause at the time, it was like four or five years ago, like they didn't have like all these coaching programs and Instagram wasn't popping like that. We were just giving all this free information, especially on Airbnb. Um, so I figured it out. But now it's like 
this is what I'm doing. I just kind of opened up my business. Like I just kind of, this is what I'm doing on 55 Airbnb level. I think it might work for your, you know, two or three Airbnbs. Yeah. And again, it goes, it goes, goes back, back to, to the nature. It goes yeah, back yeah. to my belief that if you can show me, then I can do it. And I believe everyone has that. Everyone just needs to see something possible and then they'll go get it. That's huge, man. Yo, I know we could keep going for hours. We could keep going for hours, bro. How can people get in contact with you? Maybe they want to sign up for the coaching. They have questions. They want to place their their rental property with you and have you do the arbitrage. How can people, what's the best way of people getting in contact with you? Yeah, man, just Instagram, Gerardo Limon. Uh, it's real simple and just shoot me a dm and you know i'm still active i'm still responding to everyone on there yeah. um we have events you know it's not just for a coaching program you can also reach out to me uh, shoot me your email we have real estate events uh, where we talk about you know all these things that we talked about today me and my partners um we do speaking engagements i'm speaking at now rep tomorrow um yeah Awesome, bro. Fire. Uh, qu- question for for. I said, let us know when you drop your course, bro. We'll definitely yeah. push it out. Thank you, push it out back. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, we'll be yeah. blasting it out, bro. And, and shout out to everything you're doing. We we have a segment that we speak to our our Spanish audience. So algo en español. Algo en español que le puedes decir para empoderar a la gente latina. Me hace preguntas o no más quieres. Nada más algo que les puedes decir algo para para las personas latinas. Platicamos de ahora. Pues pues para la gente que que está pensando en hacer Airbnb. Sabes como ayer, ayer conocí una, una, una familia de, de yo creo de Mexicali and they're, they're doing their first ground up development in Big Bear to do Airbnb. And, and they reminded me of my parents, man. It was like, I was so proud. I was like, that's freaking crazy. They're like 50 years old taking their first hard money loan. So, pues para la gente así que, que, que está viendo tus videos y para que, la gente que latina lo que le quiero decir y lo que yo pienso que nos puede ayudar lo, lo, lo más ahorita en esos tiempos es apoyar a la gente que está haciendo algo diferente porque lo que pasa a veces alguien abre un negocio queremos ser los primeros en línea pero para que nos regalen algo mm. al contrario el apoyo que se da no nomás es por Instagram y, y por Facebook el apoyo que se da es financiero mm. vayan y compren lo más caro que vendan vayan y apóyenlos financieramente porque la gente cuando llegan al punto de abrir un negocio de ahí ellos están arriesgando todo ¿Ah? arriesgaron sus savings, arriesgaron su, su cara, arriesgaron su familia. No hay que ir a pedirles cosas de gratis. No hay que pedirles nada que, que nos den ellos. Ellos están haciendo un esfuerzo grande. Hay que ir a apoyarlos por comprándoles cosas. Por diciéndole a la gente que está alrededor de, de nosotros que ahí hay un amigo que está haciendo algo nuevo. Porque a veces es muy común... Okay, pues, un descuento, amigo. ¿Qué pasó? Un descuentito ahí para... No, no, no. Al contrario. Compren los boletos más caros. Compren la bolsa más cara. Los tacos y échenle todo. Para que, que cueste. ¿no? Porque es muy poquito costo que te va a pasar a ti. Pero para ellos es un puchón muy grande al principio. Y eso es lo que a veces yo pienso. Y otra cosa también que, que regalen la información. ¿no? Hay que regalar la información. Hay que contar las experiencias para que alguien más no tenga que sufrir los mismos um, fracasos que uno pasa. Y eso es más para la gente que, que ya tiene algo que, you know, que, que hizo una compañía de construcción o que hizo um, cualquier cosa que hayan hecho que lograron algo. Si les preguntan, den la información porque esa información les puede ayudar mucho a esa persona y nunca se les va a olvidar. Eso sí, sí man. Y, 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 de la, y de la gente que está pensando en comprar casas de real estate, casas así para Airbnb, ¿qué es un, un consejo que les puedes dar a, dar a ellos que quieren hacer? Airbnb? Antes de comprar, 
para Airbnb antes de comprar para um, inversión agarren la información primero es muy fácil perder tu dinero que ahorraste tanto tanto uh -huh. tiempo tu, tu, tuviste para ahorrarlo ve y agarra la información qué tipo de inversión cómo lo vas a rentar cuánto te va a costar en arreglarlo cuánto va a valer toda esa información agárrala primero y luego haz tu inversión porque eso es al principio tienes el dinero y lo, luego, luego lo quieres invertir en algo. Pero así, así esa emoción es pura emoción. Ya cuando te llegan los biles, ya cuando te digan el valor de la casa que no sí. llegó a lo que tú pensaste, la renta no llegó a donde tú pensaste, ahí es el problema. Uh -huh. Entonces ahí se acaba la emoción y empieza en, re, en realidad un problema. Entonces vayan y agarren la información, tengan, sepan lo que, lo, que vayan a agarrar la información que no saben. No sabes lo que no sabes. Entonces tienes que ir a, a que te digan. You know, abren con profesionales como con ustedes o con cualquier persona que está en, es, en esta industria que les puedan decir la información y luego vayan a hacer la inversión. Y es lo que siempre decimos, Estamos. ¿verdad? Que la información es lo más importante que puedes tener. Correcto. La educación. Porque ya cuando tienes la educación, nadie te lo puede quitar. Sí. So, edúcanse, agarran la información, pónganse en contacto con nosotros, con nuestro hermano aquí y pues aquí estamos para, para pues, ayudar a pues claro si están escuchando pues claro ya se están educando así claro que este. sí. bro, other, bro thanks thank so you, much for coming on man any other Please, anything that you want to leave that you wanted to kind of leave with the people is there anything that you wanted to share just take promote? action bro honestly like this is the make, make, don't make your goal too crazy take massive action learn from your mistakes and just go out there and get it bro um, nothing is unattainable this world is simple 